While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. for me to transition from that that very intense uh, rant that I had on I was I was talking trash about other radio stations by the way that's what I was doing oh man I'm here every night every night three hours where are you guys no um uh, so so welcome back we're here with Greg Eaton Greg Eaton is a Republican uh, political strategist he also hosts uh, co-hosts the right Massachusetts podcast um, that you can find anywhere podcasts are offered so um, Greg one of the things that so Chris and I had Congressman Keating on on Friday and Keating it sits on the House Committee on Foreign Affairs he's also on the Armed Services Committee he chaired a subcommittee of Foreign Affairs so he has made um, foreign affairs, basically his thing. That's one of his things. He's the one of the foreign affairs congressmen. Uh, he talked about the China balloon. Um, you know, it got shot. It it got shot down. He had said, and this was probably hours before, when it goes over the Atlantic Ocean, they probably shoot it down. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I don't know. I guess the question is, why did China do this? Mm. And do you know? Do, do you have any ideas? So my speculation here uh, is that this is um, a form of uh, Cold War aggression type thing. Um, yeah. They are they are uh, you know intentionally trying to poke they the bear. To get caught, right? They are intentionally trying to poke the bear. Uh, they wanted to see what the response was going to be, and uh, no matter what the response was, it's kind of a win for them. Uh, in the way that they can spin it within their own media. Okay. So let's say that the United States did what it did and it lets the whole thing go through the whole country. Then they can be like, well, listen, we, you know, we floated a balloon through American airspace and they didn't do anything about it. Uh, and then let's say that the reverse is true and that the American government went and shot it down or that the Canadian government had taken it down before it ever made it to uh, American airspace. However, it had already been through the entire state of Alaska. I'm going to get back to that in one second. Okay. Um, but let's say that uh, they go and they take it down the second that it gets uh, th to the lower 48. Then the Chinese government makes the case that, hey, listen, the American government was so threatened by uh, our, our weather balloon. This thing wasn't a spy balloon. It was just a weather balloon that they went and they shot it down. Like, right. That's that's how concerned they are about it. Okay. So the thing that I find interesting about the Alaska thing is that um, from what I understood, the official story from the Chinese government was that this was never supposed to make it to our airspace. Yeah. However, and it went, that, was a, that it was a weather balloon. Didn't it, yeah. yeah, I think that, that was the official story. Um, however, it went through the entire state of Alaska before going through <laughs> the country of Canada, though, yeah, right. uh, before making it into uh, Montana, where it started making news. So uh, and, the official story about it never making it to American airspace, having already been through an entire state, yeah. seems a pretty rich. And people who, who may not know... Um, you know, just a rough 
just some rough geography to get from China to Alaska. You, it's you, long ways. It's a long ways. <laughs> and to get from China to Canada, you absolutely don't have to go through Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the airspace, you do, you do not have to, you do not have to travel the Alaskan airspace to get to, to get to Canada. In fact, it's very far out of the way to, to, to do that. So, but they seem to, so they haven't indicated whether or not that they had the, they had the ability to um, control that. Yeah, so this was another interesting thing that I thought about when I heard the official story. It was like, well, if that's the case, then you guys are implying that you have some kind of way to control this, mm-hmm. uh, that you never intended it to go into American airspace. Um, so either you you did the math wrong when you deployed it, or you have some way to the, control it and uh, either lost control of it, or... You intentionally did it, and now you're trying to say that you unintentionally did it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I wonder, like, because they did apologize for it. They never, you know, Keating had said they never really apologized for anything. Um, but uh, is this a bad look for, for Joe Biden? Uh, yeah, I'm, I think so. This is actually this is where the interesting take from the Republican comes from. OK, Uh I think that this was uh, a situation where uh, I read up a little bit on it and this, like I said, I think was intentionally done by the Chinese. And uh, I think that the reason why they specifically picked a balloon is because uh, there's a story that I read in Business Insider a couple over the weekend uh, that kind of said that this was like the perfect way to test the American defense program uh, it is not something that they are uh, actively planning for to take something out of the sky. That's a balloon. They're actively planning to take other things out of the sky that would threaten American safety, like missiles and you know planes and things like that. But uh, a balloon offers a very interesting way uh, to intentionally put something into our airspace that we're definitely going to notice, um, but that we are not readily ready to take down. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I found really interesting was that uh, supposedly the balloon was operating about 60,000 feet. Usually military uh, aircraft offer, uh, operate at a maximum of about 50,000 feet. So it was about 10,000 feet above where we are known to fly uh, our highest combat-ready uh, flights. So... Did they intentionally pick that height um, knowing that it would be difficult for the Americans to shoot down? Now, here's a thought that I want you to think about. What if uh, the Americans take a chance at knocking this thing down uh, when it's over Montana or when it's over Canada and we're unsuccessful? Think about that story in the Chinese media. Okay. Right. Think about the the prowess that they could talk about. That you know, the the Americans tried to do this and they were unsuccessful at it. A balloon. Right. right. It was just a balloon. It was just a balloon, and the Americans were unsuccessful at taking it down. So I mean, I think that uh, it is kind of a uh, a mark on the Biden administration that they let it go through the entire war well, 48 i think the problem is is that it's the size of two school buses right this is another <laughs> thing that i was going to get at yeah. is uh you know and this is a point that i brought up when i called into justice show uh if they take it down okay and it unintentionally or it, you know it un- they can't figure out exactly where it's going to fall type thing yeah and it falls on a neighborhood that's that's a big problem for the american government too 
right. and, and you know the safety of our our citizens, which is paramount uh, to every government official, whether it's a selectman or it's the president of the United States. Um, so I think that the Chinese knew what they were doing, uh, and the Chinese government intentionally are, were trying to poke the bear. Uh, and I think that there could be some uh, some implications here on what's going to happen with Taiwan uh, that they're going to figure out from the response that the American government here has with what, what transpired. Yeah, I, I mean... I don't know. Uh, I think I, t- I talked to a foreign policy expert about this. Well, I'm going to invite back on the show a professor from U.S. Dartmouth. He basically said the China doesn't have the amphibious capacity to do an invasion of Taiwan, and they don't have the air capacity to do like a precise um, uh, mil- military strike in Taiwan without having mass civilian casualties, which I think would be sort of counterproductive mm-hmm. to their to their mission over uh, over over in uh, over in Taiwan but I think with the, I mean I guess it doesn't you know there was I guess three China balloons that happened under Trump that didn't get any media attention I don't think that really matters in terms of optics for Joe Biden because most people aren't paying attention to that um, so yeah I guess it does kind of uh, look bad but like you said and I think that's a pretty I think that's a pretty fair statement is that this was done intentionally um, it was done intentionally to uh, to to basically send a signal to the U.S. that they're willing to that they're willing to do something like this, right? That they're willing to, I guess, um, flare up uh, tensions, maybe in the hopes of see- seeking a more. I don't know, is because uh, is it is it in hopes of maybe trying to seek a more diplomatic resolution to whatever conflict that we're supposed to be having with China. Cause I'm still not entirely sure what it is. Um, or, uh, because I, I, I guess maybe not because Tony Blinken was supposed to go meet with, with the Chinese government and it he, he canceled, canceled just based on, just based on the balloon because right. of the balloon. So I don't know. Uh, you know, well, I guess it's interesting to see how this all is going to play out. It seems to be something that's been, happening you know i think been happening for a while right it's been i think it's been a slow burn to get up to this point but you wonder you know biden's state of the unions tomorrow what he's going to say about china yeah i mean i think that that's uh something that so i'd definitely be paying attention to what uh foreign policy points are going to be in his state of the union speech um you know you said earlier that uh the um the conflict between the united states and China, uh, you're not exactly sure w- what that entails. Uh, I mean, I, I think that the easiest way for to think about it is that it's kind of a trade war, um, to tell you the truth. And you know, uh, the the Chinese government uh, is intimately involved in many of the companies in China. Yeah. Uh, and the Chinese the Chinese companies we know are stealing intellectual property from American companies. Um, so I think that that's kind of the the arms race that the American people and the the Chinese uh, government or the the American government and the Chinese government are involved in is actually one that isn't necessarily an arms race per se, but it's more about uh, a business race and a corporate race. Um, and it's ironic, I guess, because uh, our corporations are kind of siloed from our government. 
um, and their corporations are kind of intimately involved in their government. In some are our corporations really siloed from eh, the government? They're more siloed. They're more siloed. More siloed than, than, China. than yeah. China's. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah, you've got billionaire Jack Ma saying he's a he's a communist. So yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, so is, is Jack Ma like still still around? Uh, I last I knew, so. last I knew, he kind of disappeared. Uh, yeah, that's right. He he had some kind of issues with the CP, CCP, and yeah, the, I think that they uh, no one's seen him since then. Uh, yeah, you know what? You're right. I think you might be right with that, and I don't think we've heard any um, any development since since then. Um, I guess, you know, I want to take a break in a minute, um, but before we do, is there any other general commentary in the situation with China that you think is, is worth mentioning? Uh, so, I mean, like I said, I think that it, tomorrow's speech from Joe Biden is going to be a, a pinnacle moment, I think, probably in his entire presidency. Uh, this is an act of aggression, um, passive aggressive, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, that uh, you know, we're gonna have to see whether or not he addresses it in the State of the Union. I kind of think the State of the Union is stupid. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think a lot of presidents would actually agree with you. It, it is uh, the pinnacle of of political pageantry, right? Yeah, yeah. And for a long time, it wasn't something that was uh, watched by people like you and me. It was yeah. meant to be uh, laying out the agenda for the two uh, chambers of. Uh, the legislature yes. um, and it, then they turned it into something that is, you know, a, a lot of pageantry and, Thanks, Kennedy. Uh, you know, uh, now a lot of people watch it and I think that it was always an important uh, part of it, but a lot of people don't even know that uh, it never used to, it wasn't even given orally basically uh, for a long time. It was just a it was just a letter that was written to, uh, the two chambers. Of the- Thomas Jefferson did that. Right. Uh, Thomas Jefferson didn't want to speak to them anymore. Some people say it's because he had, he had <laughs> autism spectrum disorder, uh, which maybe, I don't know. I didn't know Thomas Jefferson, so I, I couldn't tell you. But um, but he, yeah, he is. He didn't want to speak in front of Congress, so he issued, it was a letter. I believe it became a speech again. FDR, I believe. I think it was Woodrow Wilson. Okay. It could have been before that. I think it was Woodrow Wilson, and then FDR was the first one to broadcast, broadcast it on, on a radio, medium, right? which was which was the radio. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's I think it was Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson to make it the first one to be in person, and then FDR broadcasted it on radio. JFK is the first person I believe to do it on TV, but instead of the problem is since it's now this televised pageant you know sort of pageantry instead of like an actual like conversation or address to, to congress to make it like hey here's the here's, here's our objectives here's the things that we need to do here are the problems we have here's how we need to address them is that they're always like the state of our union is strong right and it's because they can't say anything really like hey we've got this stuff going on we've got that going on things aren't great right now here's what we can do to make them better they can't do that now they've they've got to have this whole thing well i did this and i did that and we need to do this and we need to do that but that's only to build on the great things that i've done right and you know you got half the room that stands up half the room that doesn't you know if the speakers are the opposite party they'll sit there the whole time with a, just a just a deadpan look on their face and they'll never clap for anything unless it's like about like a veteran or like or like you know um or like condemning socialism or something like that they'll never stand up and clap um so it is it is sort of like it just it just doesn't make any sense to have anymore <laughs> it 
doesn't it doesn't make any sense to do anymore. Um, now it's just a it's just a, a way for a president to defend themselves or or to or to just brag about you know I think uh, over exaggerated accomplishments. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. 1420 WBSM. I'm Marcus. We're here with Greg Eaton, who's our guest co-host for the evening. Greg, thank thank you for joining us. I appreciate it's, it. It's been, it's been fun. a blast so far. So it has been. So uh, Greg, um, so the State of the Union, I think we've established is dumb. Uh, I don't really like it. Um, but having said that, tomorrow I'm going to have Jake Ockenkloss on at seven o'clock. Prior to the State of the Union, he's going to be there. Of course, he's bringing a guest. Everybody gets to bring a guest too. Um, uh, he's going to be there and, uh, he's going to talk about what he expects from the speech and then talk about some of his stuff on, uh, you know, he, I think he's on the, 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 um, anti-China committee, uh, as well in Congress. So we'll get to hear about that. He's been a big critic of China. Um, what's your position on, uh, Congressman Auchincloss? He was a baker. He was a, he called himself an uh, Obama Baker voter because he was previously, I think, registered as a Republican. Yeah, he sure was. Yeah, he, uh, he whipped, I, I think he was a registered independent, but he was whipping votes for Charlie Baker at the 2014 uh, state convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was before I was super involved in politics. Um, so I do not really know uh, Jake that well. Um, but from uh, his political stances, uh, I think that they're, Actually, I think that there's a possibility that the Republican Party could make noise in that seat uh, at some point, someday. Uh, really? Yeah. Why? Uh, I think Bristol County, uh, which is a large part of that district, um, is a district is a county that's shown a lot of promise for the Republican Party. I think you're um, right. In 2016, uh, I believe that they voted for uh, Donald Trump, which I don't necessarily use that as like a, a barometer. Um, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh yeah, if we won. If the president won, then why can't we win with all these other candidates? Yeah. Um, but I do think that that shows some uh, some you know path forward uh, in Bristol County. Uh, the tough part is that uh, I think that a lot of the population actually lives uh, in the northern part of that district, which would be the Needham, uh, Natick, uh, those areas. He's from uh, Newton. Okay, the Newton area, right. Yeah. Um, so I think that that uh, it makes it a lot tougher. Newton um, and Brookline uh, basically are the two two big suburbs, and then um, and then it, yeah, it goes down through a lots of um, like the Metro West Norfolk County area, and then it sort of uh, comes and settles down here. But uh, Fall River, mm-hmm. um, which is trending, I think a little bit more conservative. Somerset, Swansea, Dighton, definitely. Um, that's. Uh, uh, Norton, Rehoboth, that's Easton. Rep, yeah, Rep Steve Howitt's territory, Easton. So, um, yeah, it could be a situation um, in which they could. I, I mean, I've always seen Keating's seat as mm-hmm. the one that's a lot more viable given Plymouth County and the Cape. Uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that CD4, though, is like one of those sleeper districts um, okay. that, you know, if everything went right for the Republican Party and we already had CD9, yeah. okay? And then people were like, hey, <laughs> yeah, right. where else should we try and take a seat? You know, CD4 would be one of those seats. I'd be like, maybe we should take a look at that seat. You know, it's the neighboring, it's the neighboring seat to CD9. Uh, you know, if we can make the case that, you know, we're governing okay in CD9, which we can't because the Republican Party doesn't have CD9 and probably won't have it in the foreseeable future. But Well, let's know. say Keating leaves, right? He, he's done, you know, he's, he's, he's been there for a bit. He decides he's going to go. 
Um, who could run in that seat for the mm. Republicans? Uh, this is an interesting question. Uh, so um, I think that the former sheriff of Bristol County is currently living in Dartmouth, if I'm not he is. Uh, yeah. mistaken. Uh, I think that he'd be an interesting candidate for CD9. Mm. Um, Plymouth County District Attorney Tim Cruz lives in CD9. He does. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tim Wayland uh, ran for Boston County Sheriff, uh, ran a close race, uh, former state representative, uh, lives down on the Cape. I think he'd be an interesting candidate. Uh, Steven Exaros is a candidate that I think is a, a state rep from uh, Sandwich. He's a mass state trooper. Uh, no, he was the um, deputy chief of police in Yarmouth, I believe. Okay, so no, yeah, it was um, it was Wayland. Wayland was, Wayland was a state trooper. Yep, right? Wayland's a former uh, state trooper. Uh, previously served as a state rep. Yeah, just uh, had Zaros on um, like Friday, I think. Yeah, yeah. Zaros is a, a really interesting candidate that I think could make some interesting. Uh, You're forgetting roads. one. Um, You're forgetting one because you don't because you because you you don't know who it is. That's why, and you shouldn't because it's kind of sneaky. Karen oh, Polito. Karen Polito. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes. Uh, Karen Polito uh, has a second home in Dartmouth. Uh, I'm not sure if that's her primary residence or not. No, um, pretty, I think it is now. Oh, it is? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean. Uh, I think she switched. Yeah, I think her primary residence is in Dartmouth now, and I wonder if that's posturing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, that is a legitimate case uh, that you could be making. Um, uh, for me personally, I am not sure that Karen wants to. Uh, continue in the, the political world. Um, she had a couple of appointments that came up uh, last week, and uh, she's now moving into the private sector. And I think that this is one of those things that, like, once you get into the private sector as a former government to, government official, uh, it's kind of hard to turn all down that money. Yeah, yeah. Turn, turn down the uh, the money that starts coming your way. So, uh, also of note, there uh, she has a lot of money in her state war chest uh, that she couldn't move to uh, her federal war chest without doing some. Uh, you know, jumping through hoops that probably uh, people are going to be taking a lot closer look at here. Um, so I think that that's also of interest. Um, that's, I don't know exactly what the number is, but it was about $2 million that I knew of. Uh, and that's a lot of money to be sitting in your state war chest that you can't use for federal office if you're running for Congress. So, uh, But she'd have to, it, it would be, she could it'd just be arduous. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a route to, to move the money. Um, the, the route would involve, I believe you can give it to, uh, your political party. Uh, and then what the political party does with it is the political party's problem. Um, so say that and it's risky. Uh, yeah, no, that's the, right. Uh, uh, this is, uh, <laughs> it's so risky. Oh yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but uh, that is a route, and I, I'm not sure that there isn't a cap on it. I would have to go to OCPF's website and really read into it. Yeah, because um, it's pretty overt money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, not like criminal, but just like in the general sense that is, you know, they're, yeah, washing right. the money. Yeah, 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 um, yeah because the, uh, the political party uh, has both federal and state accounts set up. Um, so once it, the money goes into the political party, hands, uh, as long as you have nothing to do with where that money is going, uh, that is uh, considered fine, I guess. That is a risky proposition. I don't know if that works. It certainly is. And uh, if you were going to do it, it would make more sense to give that money 
when you are not actively pursuing a federal office. <clears throat> so if you're, you know, playing it out ahead of time, you give that money a few cycles ahead of time and then you announce that you're running. But I'm not saying that's what she's going to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I have no knowledge of Karen Polito's political future. She could run for governor. I think she she would be a legitimate candidate, and uh, the two million dollars she has in her war chest would be a great start. So yeah. uh, it, that would be it would be newsworthy for sure if Karen Polito decided to run for governor against Healy. Uh yeah, we could see her run in twenty twenty. I mean, she'd have to six. I think she'd have to, right. otherwise people aren't gonna right. It's also funny because I just forgot what what year we were just in. I, I had to do yeah, something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think the governor's election is in 2026. Well, it's always a midterm year, right? Right. So, yeah, it's 2026. Um, so, okay. Yeah, I think I think she'd have to run in 26. Otherwise, she runs in 20. If she runs in, in, in 30, 2030, people are like, who the hell are you? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the fundamental problems. Um with taking off eight years um, is, you know, you lose some name ID there. Uh, the question becomes, are you running in 2026 to set yourself up to run in 2030, which would be, you know, the logical uh, route for the Republican Party to take, which I know isn't like a sexy answer for the Republicans that are listening. Well, there's, it's a decade-long project. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just the it's just it's what it is. It's yeah. just the way that it works. Is like Charlie Baker ran in twenty ten, lost, and then ran again in twenty fourteen. That was a close race, though. Yeah, that was that was winnable, right? For sure. And that's the case that you have to make. Yeah, is that you have to make the I ran before and it was a close race. I want another shot at it. Yeah, and when the seats open. The right. seats open this time. Yeah. You know? So and it worked. Uh, running it, against Martha Chokley. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that headline in Politico. Martha Chokley, it said. It was it was pretty devastating. But 508-996-0500. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Tom, what's up? Well, I got a question for you. Can, can the president of the United States, through executive order, eliminate the uh, branch of government that was created under Trump, the space uh, department that they have? Space Force? Right. If it was created under executive order, I, I would think yes, it could be eliminated under executive order. If it was codified into law, then then uh, then no, I, I think you'd have to seek a legislative route. Well, given given the situation with the balloon, I think they they fell on their face. And if I'm the Democrats, I'm, I'm going to be asking for a report from them. And you know, as they're running around trying to figure out what the job is, is supposed to be. You had the regular Air Force take down the balloon. Well, I was uh, going to say, isn't that isn't that more within their purview than 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 the Space Force? Well, the, this is the whole thing about the Space Force. What what is their function? I I, I think they, they should eliminate it and use that discretionary money and nationwide take care of the homeless and veterans problem. Because that's billions of dollars there, and uh, I, I think you know for, for this particular situation. Uh, they did have some type of jurisdiction since the balloon was in space, basically. So the inter uh, the interesting – sorry not to interrupt you, but the interesting thing about the Space Force is that the Space Force actually uh, was already basically operating under the Air Force's umbrella. Uh, so really all Donald Trump did was make it a sixth uh, branch – or I'm sorry, I think it's the seventh branch because the Coast Guard's considered a branch of the armed services um, – all, all Donald Trump basically did was take something that was already operating under an umbrella 
of the armed forces and make it its own branch. Uh, not much different than when the Air Force broke apart from the Army. Yeah, and, and when the Air Force broke apart from the Army, you know, you had new uh, commanders in, in, in each division. Uh, the whole infrastructure and the amount of people that, that uh, uh, had authority uh, changed. You know, I understand what you're saying about it being under the Air Force because it, it w- would seem that that would be the function of the Air Force and simply uh, a creation of new jobs, uh, new authorities. And uh, I, I just think, you know, it's a great opportunity to uh, create some funding for homeless veterans. Yeah, I think, that, you know, honestly, they could probably find that funding um, in some place. I know the, v- the VA has actually made some, I think, uh, I think important, uh, like, some steps forward in the last few years, but um, I, I think you know, sort of, they could probably do both. They could probably chew gum and walk at the same time. You know, the Space Force has. I'm just looking at it now. About 8,400 military personnel. Uh, that's not a lot. Um, I don't know how much they're eating up of the budget, and this could be honestly. You know, I think defense spending. I, I honestly think is pretty out of control. Obviously, there's black hole spending. Well, the right there's you know to that point is there probably could be more to be done to help homeless veterans if we weren't trying to build like planes that haven't worked yet. <laughs> you know, yeah. stuff like yeah, that. Stuff like that. I mean, it, it, it just seems to me that that. Uh, this would be a great opportunity to have that funding. And you can utilize people's DD-214. You, know, you would know exactly uh, what veterans, uh, where they're from, where the money is needed, and begin immediately rather than wait for uh, HUD and, and, you know, whatever McKinney funding is, is still around. Uh, you know, that's going to take another year and uh, be, be, before there's anything that, that, that's done uh, to address this veterans' homeless population nationwide. And it could be done once and for all. And uh, I just, uh, just an idea I was throwing around there. But hey, good show tonight, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it, Tom. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. Um, you know, it's, I didn't know that about the Space Force, actually. That it, that it had previously basically been an entity of. He, yeah, the that he Air just Force. moved it into. into I mean, he. There's definitely some other parts of it, um, yeah. but yeah, for the most part, uh, space was already a part of the Air Force's agenda, uh, and they were already in control of most of the things that uh, the Space Force is doing. Um, he just determined that uh, it would make sense if it had its own command, um, and you know, the caller might have a point there with the amount of spending that goes into spinning it off as its own space, as its own uh, branch of the armed services. <clears throat> Could have added, yeah. It could have just, it might have added some. Co- I mean, we've I've talked about it, you know, at nauseum the amount of money that we spend on defense and how it goes. Like you said, black hole spending. I, didn't the Pentagon like lose a trillion dollars? Not yeah, like lose, like something they like that. Misplaced, right? Like, yeah, whoops, yeah. right? <laughs> Whoopsie. Uh, we don't know where that went. Yeah. So. There was also some money that they left behind, I believe, when we were leaving Afghanistan. Uh, oh, well, th- they left a lot behind. <laughs> That's the thing. Some, you know, Here's yeah. the thing with that, though. People were complaining. They were bitching like, oh, my God, how could they have left those tanks there? We, you know, I, Clay Higgins, the rep from Louisiana, had said, we, we could have used that to, to, to help people in the flood. <laughs> 
something like that. That that equipment that was never meant to leave Afghanistan. That was absolutely a, a jobs program, um, and a lot of that spending. Uh, McCarthy had a term for it. I forget what it was called, but uh, you know we gave X amount of dollars to these Afghani warlords to you know sort of set up their own you know military and order, and they Crime did not. Family. Yeah, they yeah they they did not do that. Yeah, they exactly. It was yeah, it was the. The Sopranos. Hey, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Download the WBSM app and listen to us everywhere. Individual rate. Voices in the night that cover the news of the day. I heard the voices too. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. More of South Coast Tonight happens now on WBSM. Hey, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. I'm here with uh, Greg Eaton from the Right Massachusetts podcast. We're actually going to take one more break so we can finish out the hour strong. So stay tuned. If you want to hear everything, uh, we're here with Greg Eaton, our special guest co-host. It's been a lot of fun, Greg. What's what, what's on your mind in these closing minutes of the evening? I mean, it's been a blast, Marcus. Uh, ironically, it's uh, you know the the show that you've put together. Um, and you know how important it has become to the overall political landscape outside of New Bedford. We were just talking about it. You know, you had people on that said that they've heard about your show. You know, and yeah, they have in Boston, right? right they have yeah. nothing to do with uh, South Coast politics at all. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I think you guys have put together an excellent show here. Thank you. And uh, I think that it's uh, an, an interesting time slot. Um, it is because there's not a lot of um, you know political talk radio going on at this point it's kind of you guys no dan ray dan ray yeah that's uh, it uh, it's us know. and dan ray right <laughs> that's it yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> and so uh and we've actually had some local people um set, tell us you know since what we're doing is a little bit more uh localized that they've switched from wbz to us which i appreciate you know um but yeah no it's an interesting time slot it was one that came up to me uh and i was just kind of like i you know I, I thought about it for a second i'm like well let me think about it i told tim weisberg let me think about it and then i'm like immediately i'm like no this is a great idea because it's just i think the format of the conversations that we want to have it's it's gone really well and plus doing the debates and stuff like that um that's that's gone well too by the way ward three city council debate is february 22nd we've gotten confirmation from one candidate waiting on confirmation for another but we're good to go then and uh so we'll uh that's that's coming up um, Greg, any any elections that you've got your eye on? Any special elections? Uh, you just mentioned one of them, Ward yeah. Three, uh, City Council for New Bedford. Um, Sean Oliver, I think, is uh, an excellent candidate, and uh, would, okay, I think that uh, he's got a chance to you know make a mark on uh, New Bedford politics. Uh, he was a guy that was un really unheard of um, before running for this seat. He did um, the work, man. Right. Yeah. And he's been out there knocking on doors. Um, I was actively involved in another campaign, uh, and uh, I noticed all the hard work that he put into it. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that that would be, that's an interesting race. I'm also watching the uh, North Attleboro. I think it's mayor of yeah, Attleboro. 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 Paul Haro's old, old, old job. Right. Yeah. So that's I think that's an interesting seat. And We're, so yeah, so, so Jay Jay Delisio is a Republican, right? The the yep. the, the, the the I know now. I read the Sun Chronicle now because of, because of Paul Haro and <laughs> and I know stuff about Attleboro politics because of Paul Paul Haro. But yeah, the the acting mayor right now is a Republican. Uh, um, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and Haro's back to what he said as an independent city councilor in the race. I'm actually going to have. Uh, Sheriff Farrow on Friday to talk about something really important uh, with respect to the sheriff's office and law enforcement. So we're going to we're going to talk with him on on uh, on, on Saturday. So uh, so so you had an interesting 
before we go, you had an interesting um, episode of your podcast recently talking about the sports gambling bill. Mm. And uh, what can we expect from that? Yeah, so I mean, it's completely legalized at this point in Massachusetts, uh, and uh, we had Representative Dave Meridian on. Uh, it was an excellent episode. Uh, I think one of the uh, the more interesting things, if you got to the very end of the interview, uh, was actually something that we stumbled upon. Uh, so I, I won't give it away, but uh, turns out that Dave Meridian, pretty solid golfer. Oh, okay. Uh, so there, there's a little Easter egg for you. If you go and listen to the episode, you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. Uh, but, so, uh, sports sports betting legalized in Massachusetts. Uh, we're going to see here in the next couple of uh, weeks uh, when mobile betting becomes a thing. Um, but there's a lot of licenses out there. There's going to be a lot of competition. Um, and we're going to see, you know, who has the best promos and who can bring in the most. Let's, let's get a license, Greg. Yeah. Let's, let's go get a gambling license. I feel like it. that's going to we. It's a good way to make some money. Uh, it's definitely a good way to make some money. Um, there's a couple of interesting projects that are going to happen. Uh, it's kind of amoral, but the uh, the Taunton Rainham uh, dog track is going to uh, license um, pretty shortly uh, with uh, Caesars, and uh, okay. they're going to completely redo that space and they're going right. to turn it into a sports book. So yeah, we had a story here on WBSM.com. Oh, one of the stories I wanted to plug before. Um, before we ended, uh, Tony Cabral's pushing for a courthouse in uh, New Bedford uh, as a practicing attorney. I can tell you the New Bedford courthouse is one of the worst in the state. We do need a really do need a new one. Uh, Greg, you don't have a lot of experience in courthouses, do nope. you? That's good. Nope. Um, I got paid to be there. I didn't want to be there much either. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, not true. Um, but. But I, the New Bedford one, it really stinks. So go check out that that article on WBSM.com. It's important. Also, a really important one on Bill Keating talking about um, the uh, Ukraine-Russia uh, war and why he felt it was important to stay in it. Um, so uh, got another 30 seconds. Greg, what, what else is on your mind? Uh, check out new, uh, check out uh, Right Massachusetts on mm-hmm. all the major pl- podcasting platforms. Uh, and, uh, you know... I, we're going to see here what happens in New Bedford Ward 3 uh, here in a couple of weeks. And I think that that's probably the most uh, pressing political thing going on besides the mayor's race. Yeah, the mayor's. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I got a piece coming out tomorrow on the Ward 3 candidates position on uh, Carol 